Let's talk books. And Pip Adam joins me now. Hi, Pip. Kia ora, Jesse. How are you? Good. We so look forward to having you on the show. And um, you've got a nod to television this week, even though you are really our books expert. Yeah, I just, this is, I mean, everyone in the world is talking about the end of succession. And I just thought, um, I was incredibly sad for it to finish. And mm. I just thought, I'm sort of trying to fill that succession-sized hole with a couple of books, well, with three books. And I just thought that maybe I could talk about those today. What sort of hole does succession create? Uh, the hole in you that that relishes some sort of sharp, mean dialogue, some unlikable and yet um, inherently compelling characters, a bit of that high-level media stuff, the, the, the media dynasty stuff? Yeah, I think all those things. But I think the biggest thing for me is just the weird psychology of it all. Like yeah. just the, um, the way that the writing just gets at how we are such strange animals. And yeah, so I think that's what I am missing the most. And I think, um, yeah, these three books kind of look at all those sorts of things in different ways. Yeah. F- funny that, you know, that the comedy drama thing, um, the, how it switched so effortlessly between the two. There was that famous New York profile of, is it Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall yeah. Roy, um, the lead character in Succession, and he didn't think the show was funny. He didn't see anything funny about it, which may be the reason it is so funny, because he just played it really straight for that whole series. I think um, having listened to a few um, um, interviews with some of the writers, and mm. I think that they were never going for the laugh, and I think that's what makes it so uncomfortably hilarious. Yeah. Like that wonderful kind of like, oh my gosh, I need to laugh or I'll scream. Kind of <laughs> okay, what do you have for us? Well, talking of laughter, um, mm. I have a book by uh, Noah Alcidea, which is called Animal Joy, a book of laughter and resuscitation. Um, it came out, um, there's a couple of editions, but the edition I've got is the Fitzcarraldo edition, which came out in 2022. And um, yeah, this is just, one of the most spectacular books I've ever read. I love it so much. Um, I was late to the party. Um, what it is is um, Elsa Deer is a um, psychoanalyst. I always have trouble with that word. And she decides to go to clown school um, <laughs> to see what she can learn about the psyche at clown school. And um, this, is, this book just takes humour so seriously and laughter so seriously. And it just kind of... <laughs> I know it sounds terrible. I once went to a lecture on puns and puns were never funny again, but there is something about this book that maintains the hilarity of a lot of the situations that it talks about, but also sort of you end up reflecting on yourself in this very Freudian way about what is funny and why is it funny. And um, Mm. yeah, especially um, this idea of clowning. um, I have been a bit dubious about it, um, but my God, I just just want to go to clown school now. Um, Just this idea of sort of being willing to be the stupidest person in the room and being willing to, um, you know, like um, reflect that true self kind of stuff in situations where generally we put on layers and layers and layers. And yeah, it's just an astounding, astounding, astounding book. Yeah. Is it the Clown School in Paris? I know a couple of um, New Zealand actors who went and did that one in France. Yeah, yeah. It isn't actually that um, that person, but it is sort of someone who graduated from that school. So, okay. yeah, that is the. I think that that is how clowning works: is that it all comes from that um, school in Paris. But yeah, um, I don't know. Like um, she talks a little bit about. Um, this wonderful TV show, I don't know if you call it called, I think it was called Buckets, which was just this wonderful show about a person who trains to be a clown in France and then comes home to America and becomes a rodeo clown. And oh, yeah. yeah, 
that mismatch of kind of high art and wanting you know, the crowd <laughs> just wanting you to be hit by a cow is just great. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing book, and I just think it's kind of revealed so much that I thought I'd come up with. You know, like I, thought, wow, aren't brains funny? And then there's just one sentence about what Freud thought about that part of brains, and yeah, it's just it's magnificent. And I just I really love the way it takes humor so seriously and sort of talks about humor as an act of rebellion and an act of revolution, and you know this idea of consent and humor, and it, it's really wonderful. And I think that. It sort of um, fills that gap. In succession, I was often thinking, why am I laughing? And, you know, there's something really great about this book that kind of unwraps why we would be laughing. Yeah, there were such earned laughs as well in succession. I mean, there were great gags too, but, but some of it was just sort of the, the, the payoff you get when you invest that much time and patience into character, right? Yeah, and like just these incredible ideas of sort of dream logic as well, like this idea where um, we have certain things that stand for other things and therefore this group, I don't know, the comedy festival's just been on down here and man, the weirdest situation is sitting in an audience and laughing together. Like you must mm-hmm. have it at your show when you take live, but like the, there is just this very vulnerable feeling of sort of making that noise with your body and being around other people that are making that noise with their bodies. Like I just... Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm obsessed with it at the moment. When, when I used to do um, stand-up comedy, we used to have this rule that um, the, the a sure a sure way to have a bad gig was to do a gig in a room where the audience were lit. Um, you need it to be completely dark so that actually people can disappear into that kind of anonymity, right? You don't want to be self-conscious about your laughing, but once the lights are off and people can't see who's laughing, then suddenly this new kind of noise emerges. Yeah, it must just be the most amazing feeling. I just can't imagine what it feels like to make a room full of people laugh. Um, Well, that's Animal Joy, a book of laughter and resuscitation. Great recommendation. Uh, Now, your next book is Unscripted, The Epic Battle for a Media Empire and the Redstone Family Legacy. I, I thought you were going to say this one was about the Murdochs, but of course there are more media families than just the Murdochs. Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting. This is a book by James B. Stewart and Rachel Abrams, and it was published this year by Penguin. And I think that this is what's really interesting. I think as Succession's gone on, the Murdoch name keeps coming up. But this Redstone family, who is slightly slightly more cloistered and slightly more, um, I don't want to say secretive, but slightly not as sort of out there as the Murdochs. The parallels are just unbelievable, right down to the red-headed daughter um, mm-hmm. who gets passed over time and time again for the CEO ship. And um, yeah, this this is an incredible book as well. I think I read a lot of these um, biographies about powerful people. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think, about this book uh, is that it starts at a point in time in 2016 with a character outside the Redstone family who has ties to it and perhaps some nefarious sort of is, is trying to undo the family. So it is it is sort of almost structured more like um, a novel than a non-fiction biography. And, um, you know, like the backstory sort of comes through the telling of um, this really strange kind of um, moment in time where the Redstone Empire is kind of in peril. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really clever way to tell the story rather than a lot of them. um, You have to get through a lot of – I recently read the um, one on the Sacklers Empire of Pain, and you have to get through a lot of – um, depression era family stuff before you get to kind of the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Whereas this 
this one just starts you right in the trouble. You know, like there's a woman who, um, there are all these women. Um, this is the thing about um, the patriarchy of um, re- the um, Redstone family is that um, Sumner Redstone, he is just wound up with women in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, all sorts of women in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's such a juicy read, and I think, but it, it but it has seriousness, and I guess um, that was one of the strange things was kind of reading this as opposed to watching Succession, where you're dealing with made up people, whereas in this you're dealing with real people. So it was it was um, yeah, it's 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 not a completely guilt free read, <laughs> but it's it's astounding. It's really astounding. I see that uh, the patriarch of that family only died in 2020, so perhaps they were waiting for that to happen before they were able to. Uh, Sort of um, be brave enough to share the story with the world. I think I think you could be right. Like I mean, it's really funny because um, Stuart and Abrams both work um, for a big newspaper in America, but um, they're working. One works business and one works entertainment. So um, this is what's interesting about the Redstone family is that they do have um, theme parks. They also have film and they have media as well. So mm-hmm. like it's it's um, yeah like this great sort of um, combination of pe- of journalists. One who knows business and one who knows entertainment. It's, it's quite incredible. Okay, that one's called Unscripted, the Epic Battle for a Media Empire and the Redstone Family Legacy. And then the method, how the 20th century learned to act. Looks fascinating oh too. You see, this book is so freaking great. So, like, as you mentioned before, Jeremy Strong, there's been lots of commentary about his method approach. And um, this book by Isaac Butler, who is just one of my favorite writers and Mm. speakers, and just, he's just incredible. And he narrates the, or reads the um, audio book, so it's just wonderful. So, this is a look into, um, yeah, into into the method, as it's called. So, you know, this idea of um, Stanislavski starts in Russia um, in a way to sort of take actors away from playing a type and move them into sort of embodying a performance and reaching into their own experiences and sort of creates this system in inverted commas. And this book is amazing about how it makes its way to America and, um, you know, some of the incredible things um, that that sort of had to come about historically and societally um, for um, this to sort of reach the peaks that it did. So it's, it's um, again, Isaac Butler is an amazing, Amazing, amazing writer. So we start with Francis Dorman and like move through all these sort of, and again, it isn't one of those sort of in linear fashion where you have to go through every piece of information. And he just brings these characters, you know, from Russia and early modern America kind of to life. It's quite incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, famous uh, Stanislavski and then uh, was Marlon Brando, was he a sort of a famous proponent of the method? Yeah, it's really interesting. There's a great interview with Isaac Butler where he talks a little bit about um, about Brando, but also talks about Al Pacino. There's a movie which is called Cape Fear, and there's a scene in that where he acts with a very, very young Juliet Lewis, and it's a moment where I well. I, I'm arguing this, Butler doesn't argue this, but I think that was a moment where the method kind of fell out of favour because mm-hmm. like the discomfort that you feel in that with someone, it isn't acting anymore. It's kind of, you know, experiencing and reacting. So, yeah, it it, it definitely, like, there, there's a break with the old school actors who um, are sort of from the silent films and, you know, that kind of thing where they play a type and then we move. There, there's, a, there's just so many good examples in here of... Um, 
Yeah, the move into method and the move away from method. And Butler himself um, started life as an actor and um, felt that the the method really didn't, um, I won't use his words, but yeah, he found it very challenging and was very keen to move away from it and became a director instead. Uh, I just read an interview with Nicolas Cage when he was looking back on his life and he did some pretty crazy things when um, he was young to try and embody these parts. Although he comes up in conversation, is he regarded as a non-method actor? Well, I think, like, what I think is interesting... Like, he was drunk filming Leaving Las Vegas, for example, by his own admission. <laughs> imagine imagine if people did, like, method other work. Like, if you were a method secretary, and you were like, yeah. I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> you think they just want to do the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, um, I think Nicolas Cage is definitely an example of someone who has sort of embodied both forms of acting. But I think Tom Cruise is probably one of the best examples of the non-method. So um, he goes back to these very ancient ideas, sort of beyond method, where he spends hours looking at himself in the mirror and working out exactly what his body looks like in different wow. shapes. And then those different shapes come to rely on it. You know, the running with the hands open perhaps. But yeah, um, so it's it's really interesting because there's, I think that there has definitely been a move away because there isn't a lot of, if you think about the blockbuster, there isn't a lot of time to develop these sort of, you know, these long um, sort of emotive non-speaking moments. And, and, and yeah. so, yeah. Uh, man, some great recommendations there. Did you want to mention Jeremy, an interview with Jeremy Strong from Succession as well? Oh. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think everybody, um, there, there's an amazing um, Succession podcast, um, an official one by HBO, and Jeremy Strong is interviewed in there, and I was very suspect about his acting, but boy, when he talks about the process, <laughs> you can see it's amazing. He, he seems like a, an incredible person. Yeah, I, I listened to a bit of his interview, but there's only so much I can take after <laughs> talking about acting, you know what I mean? But not that it's not interesting, but just sometimes it just feels like they maybe think it's more important than to the world than it actually is. But compelling nonetheless. Thanks, Pip. Thanks, Pete. Have a good day. Uh, that book was called Three Great Recommendations There, The Method, How the 20th Century Learned to Act. Before that, unscripted the epic battle for a media empire and the Redstone family legacy. And Animal Joy, a book of laughter and resuscitation. Looks a bit more exper- experimental, that um that particular one in terms of the way it's written. I've seen it described as poetic, which is always, I was going to say a red flag.